let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Rev. Richard C. Whitcomb. Early on the morning of September 26, 1983, a man named Stanislav Petrov saw something that caused fear to grip his heart. In the next five minutes, how Petrov responded to that fear would determine the fate of the entire world. Stanislav Petrov was a lieutenant commander in the air defense forces of the former Soviet Union. He was in charge of the secret command center located outside of Moscow, where the Soviet Union guarded and saw potential attacks and was able to thwart them in advance. It was a time of great tension in the world as the Soviet Union faced off against the United States of America. They had enough nuclear weapons to wipe out life from the face of the earth. And just weeks before, the Soviet Union had shot down a Korean airplane, causing U.S. President Ronald Reagan to declare the Soviet Union an evil empire. The Soviets were obsessed with fears of an American attack. So on that fateful day of September 26, 1983, as Petrov sat at the command center, suddenly the alarms began to flash, the sirens began to wail, and the computer screen showed five missiles had been fired by the United States and they were approaching the Soviet Union. They were going to strike within 30 minutes. And as the head of the command center, it was up to Stanislav Petrov to decide what to do. All eyes were on Petrov as the seconds ticked by. He seemed paralyzed with fear as he realized the serious gravity of the consequences of his choices. If indeed five missiles had been launched by the U.S. against the Soviet Union, then he must respond. Failure to act would leave his homeland under attack. But if for some reason this was a mistake, a false alarm, then any response he made could trigger a nuclear war. It would have been his fault. Petrov reached for the phone to call his commanders to tell them of the impending strike. But then he paused in a moment of reflection. Something seemed odd. After all, if the United States wanted to attack Soviet Union, why would they only send five missiles? They had thousands of nuclear warheads. Why only five? That was child's play. And not only that, but the system that warned of this attack had just recently been installed on their computers. Could it be a computer glitch? So Petrov decided to seek clarity of the facts rather than react to his fears. He had to decide if what he was looking at on the screen was accurate or not. He had to decide what to believe about what he saw. And his decisions led him to become a worldwide hero who averted nuclear war. You see, after five tenths minutes, Petrov decided that this was a false alarm. The computer was making an error. There was no attack, and so he did not react out of fear. The Soviets did not respond, and later it was confirmed that indeed the warning was a false alarm. There was no attack coming, only the appearance of a threat. And what Stanislav Petrov believed about what he saw resulted in him becoming a hero. 
There's a powerful lesson for all of us in the amazing true story of the man who helped avert nuclear war in 1983. You see, every day we are bombarded with information, images, and news, and reports from all around that could strike fear in our hearts. And how we respond to what we see and hear will determine what we believe. What we believe about those things will determine how we become. What you believe about what you see will determine what you become. If you allow fear to control your life, your life will be destroyed. But if you choose the path of faith, you will rise above the storm and overcome fear. So today we're going to discover secret truths that will help you win the battle of faith versus fear so you can become everything God wants you to. But before we go on, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you that no matter what we see or what we hear, your truth and your power rises above and takes preeminence over all things. So we quiet our hearts today and humble ourselves before you and ask you to speak your truth, your reality into our hearts and lives in Jesus' name. We submit to you now. We bind every voice of the devil that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of of the Holy Spirit, the power to give us light and life and truth that we might rise up and believe your truth and become who you want us to be. We thank you by faith now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I want to invite you to take a moment, join your faith with mine right now. Put your hand on your chest and repeat this simple prayer after me. Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome once again to Agape House. It's great to have you here as we continue our sermon series, Gone. Everybody shout, Gone. We started last week with the sermon, My Sin is Gone, and we saw how Jesus Christ breaks the pain, the penalty, and the power of sin. And in him, we can be free. But it's not just sin that he delivers us from. It's every other bondage. And today, we're looking at the message, My Fear is is gone. Somebody say, my fear is gone. Because you see, fear is one of the strongest bondages in people's lives. It holds them back. Fear is something that can take away your peace and take away your life. And interestingly, it's the greatest command in the Bible, or repeated most often, is the command, thou shalt not fear. Do not be afraid. Don't fear. Because God knows that fear will rob us of our destiny. But interestingly enough, fear is not natural to man. A newborn baby doesn't have any fear. And so when we learn the doorway through which fear comes into our lives, we're going to learn the doorway through which it will exit. And I believe by the grace of God, you'll be set free from fear today. The fear of people, the fear of failure, the fear of economic collapse, the fear of any other evil thing. You will be delivered today so you can shout, my Fear is gone. If you believe it, say amen. Now, to help us learn the truth for today, we printed sermon notes. They look like this. They're inside your bulletin. If you're joining us online, you can get these downloaded for free at our website and our social media pages. And there at the top of your notes, you'll see our scripture text for today. It's the story of when Pita walked on water, taken from the gospel of St. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Now, 
received the word of the Lord. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. Hey, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. My God, what a great Jesus. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, brah, Jesus said. Oh, you don't know? Jesus speaks to you. Amen. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw, somebody say saw. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? Ask your neighbor, why did you doubt Jesus? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. I don't know about you, but I love this story. It's a story of the supernatural, a story of faith, a story of God's goodness in reaching out to help us. But I think I love it because I can relate to Peter. I can relate to having a lot of faith and getting up and doing something and then suddenly being gripped with fear and wondering what I have done. And in his story, we can understand today three factors uh, that determine the fight of faith versus fear and our victory in it. So let's find out what the Bible has to tell us. And here's your first truth today. The fight of faith versus fear is driven by what you behold. Everybody say behold. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 30 of our story. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. When Peter beheld the storm, his heart was gripped with fear. In other words, what you behold has a great deal of importance. When Peter beheld Jesus, he had the faith to walk on water. But when he beheld the storm, he had the fear that caused him to sink. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. If you focus your eyes on the storm, you will live in fear. If you focus your eyes on Jesus, you will walk on water. If you focus your eyes on the economic conditions around you, you'll never make any financial investments. But if you focus on the promise of God and the Word of God, you will do what God has called you to do. If you believe it, say amen. This truth reminds me of the story of the man named Ransford. Ransford was an electronic seller and he wanted to expand his business. Now, God's so kind, a new building had just been built along the main road in his community. And there were three shops on the ground floor, right, left, and in the middle. And Ransford went and took the shop in the middle to be in a prominent location where people could see his goods and come and buy. He set up his electronics, set up his signboard, and started business. But lo and behold, a few days later, another electronics seller came and took the shop on his right. 
out and set up his business. And then two days later, another electronic seller came and took the other shop on his left. So here's Ransford with a shop seller on the right and left both competitors. And Ransford began to fear and panic. Every day, he would watch people come and look at the goods in his window and then go right or go left. And he started to get afraid. But then something happened to make it worse. One day, the man on the right painted a big sign and put it up and it said, best deals here. Hey! And then the next day, the man on the left painted a huge sign and put it up. It said, lowest prices here. Hey, so there's Ransford in the middle shop. The man on the right had the best deals. The man on the left had the lowest prices. And Ransford had no customers and only panic. Hey, every day he was watching people go to the best deals and the lowest prices. And he thought he was going to collapse. But then one day his wife came to encourage him. Thank God for wives who encourage. Amen. If you're sitting next to a wife who encourages you, give her a pat on the back. Amen. That, that's enough, sir. God bless you. That, that's enough. Okay. Hallelujah. Amen. And she gave him an idea, and he thought, this one will work. So he painted his own sign. The man on the right said, best deals here. The man on the left had a sign that said, lowest prices here. And Ransford put up a sign that said, enter here. And that's how he turned his business around. Because you see, what you behold has to be filtered through God's truth. What you behold may look bad, but God can turn it around for good and use it for good. That's why the Bible talks to us so much about what we see. Isaiah 45, 22 says, look, everybody say look. Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. In other words, if you see him as your Savior, you will be saved. Isaiah 62, 11, the Bible says, the Lord has sent this message to every land. Look, somebody say look. Your Savior is coming. See, somebody say see. He brings his reward with him as he comes. So if you want to receive your reward, you have to see your reward. In Luke 24, after the resurrection, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. So when you see him and behold him, you can receive him. And then he said in Revelation 3.20, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the the door. I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Over and over, God tells us, look at me. See me. See me in my power. See me in my glory. See me in my love. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. Bondage comes from being bonded to something and you become bonded to what you behold. If you continually behold the Lord in his glory, you become bonded to him and the power of life in Christ will come into your life and create a greater power in you moving and operating in your life. But if you become bonded to things that you behold that are negative, you'll live a negative life. If you become bonded to what you behold about trouble in the country, you'll become fearful. If you become always looking at lustful things, you'll become lustful. That's why Job said in Job 31.1, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman because looking leads to lusting. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. Yeah, sir, in the fourth row. Oh, God. But if you behold Jesus, hallelujah, when you behold him in his glory, you will bond to Jesus. So keep your eyes on Jesus and you will walk on water. 
That's why Proverbs 4.25 says, keep your eyes focused on what is right and look straight ahead to what is good. Focus on the good and you'll see good. Focus on the bad and you'll see only bad. Focus on the storm and you will fear. Focus on the Savior and you will rise in faith and walk on water. Once upon a time, a prophet came to tell a king a message from the Lord. The prophet said, I see famine coming, and God says this kingdom must prepare or the people will go hungry. Well, the king and his associates believed the word of the prophet, so they met and began to plan what to do. And the advisors and the king decided that the king should appoint one emissary to go out throughout the kingdom and locate all the lazy farmers and all the idle farmland to motivate them and get them to begin planting so that a harvest could come to protect the kingdom from starving. They all thought it was a good idea. The king called an emissary and said, go and look for every idle farm and every lazy farmer and come and report to me. But the next day, the king and his associates decided they should also go and look for good farmers who were working hard so that they could encourage them to continue to produce more. So the king called a second emissary and said, go and look for all the good farmers in the land. Well, it so happened that on the same day at the same time, the first emissary and the second emissary came back to give their report. And the first steward stood and reported, Oh, your majesty, I've gone, as you said, and searched throughout the whole land for lazy farmers and idle farms. And I'm sorry to say, your kingdom is full of lazy farmers. Hey, the farmland is empty. We better do something now, quick, quick, because this land is full of lazy farmers with empty farms. And then after he finished, the second emissary stood up and said, Your Majesty, I'm happy to report that I've done what you said. I've looked for good farmers, and I'm happy to say that throughout your land, your kingdom is filled with good, hardworking farmers with lots of farms that are producing well. Then the ministers of state were surprised. And they said, But King, these two reports are different. The king said, Oh, it's okay. They both reported what they saw because what they were looking for is what they found. And so it is in our lives. If you're looking for bad, you'll see bad. You want bad news? Read the newspaper. Go online. You'll see bad news all around you. Amen? Your bad news? Just talk to your neighbor. He's got lots of bad news. But if you want good news, if you're looking for good news, I'm here to tell you there is a Bible filled with good news. There's a Bible filled with promises. There's a God in heaven who's got promise after promise. So don't focus on the negative. Focus on God. For the fight of faith versus fear is driven by what you behold. If you look at the storm, fear will grip your heart. But if you look at the Savior, you will overcome. For the truth is what you behold will determine what you believe. That brings us to our second truth today. The fight of faith versus fear is determined by what you believe. Everybody say believe. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 31. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? You see, when Peter was looking at Jesus, everything was good and cool and copacetic. When Jesus was in front of Peter and Peter beheld him, Peter could walk on water. But when he got his eyes off of Jesus and onto the storm, he started to believe the negative 
with and it caused him to sink. So here's the truth you need to remember. Fear is not the opposite of faith. Fear is faith in the wrong things. Fear is faith in the storm instead of the Savior. Fear is faith in the negative. Fear is faith in the enemy and the enemy's power. That's why I declare to you, you cannot believe in God and trust in God and be afraid of the devil or be afraid of witches and wizards. I'm here to let you know I'm not afraid of the devil. I'm not afraid of witches and wizards. I'm not afraid of anybody cursing me because my faith is in a God who is stronger, a God who's more powerful, a God who overcomes and breaks Satan's chains. And that's why my fear is gone. Because when you believe in God, you'll have confidence. When you believe in him and behold him, you'll know that he is greater. No matter the problem you face, no matter the fear in your heart, our God is greater and mightier and stronger than any storm, any battle, any enemy, any circumstance, any corruption, any seedy devaluation, any problem in this nation. I come against the spirit of fear and declare my God is greater. If you believe it, say my fear is gone. See, when you think about it, why did Peter start to sink? Nothing had changed. The Savior who called him was still standing in front of him. The God who was holding him up on the water was still holding him up. The storm was not any worse. The Savior had not gone away. The only thing different was what Peter beheld, which caused him to believe. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. Don't ever let the presence of the storm cause you to doubt the presence of the Savior. He's with you even in the storm. He's the Almighty even in the storm. He can carry you to walk on waters no matter how difficult the storm. That's the message we can learn from the true story of Archbishop Reverend Dr. Benjamin Kwashi from Jos, Nigeria. Archbishop Benjamin Kwashi was upstairs in his bedroom sleeping on Tuesday, July 24th, 2007 at 2.15 a.m., when suddenly armed gunmen broke into his compound. Terrorists, armed robbers, they came marching in, went up into his bedroom and dragged Archbishop Kwashi from the bed and took him downstairs and outside and said, we are here to kill you. But Archbishop said, before you kill me, let me kneel and pray. And he knelt down in the dirt and started praying. And suddenly, a moment later, he felt someone by his right side grabbing his hand, praying along with him. He looked over. It was his wife, Gloria. She had broken through the assassins to kneel and pray with her husband. And then a moment later, he felt someone on his left. He saw someone grabbing his hand, and he could hear them praying. He turned and looked. It was his son, Rinji. He said, no, Rinji, no. Don't let them kill you. Go, flee, run. But Rinji said, no, Dad, it's okay. The men are gone. And when Archbishop Kwashi looked up, every single man had gone. And it was he and his wife and son praying. Even in the face of certain death, even facing Nigerian terrorists and armed robbers, I've got a God who is greater. I've got a God who is mighty. I've got a God who overcomes every problem. And no matter what you face, no matter what fear you have today, God is greater. For the prophet Isaiah declares in Isaiah 40, 9 to 31, Behold, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. Somebody shout power. He will rule with a power. Powerful arm. Behold, he brings his reward 
with him as he comes. So let me ask you today as you turn your notes over to page two, are you afraid of the storm? Then listen to prophet Isaiah. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Do not fear the storm because we have a God who created heaven and earth. Are you afraid of the future and what will happen tomorrow? I'm here to tell you God has it all in his hands. For Isaiah continues, who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? And no matter the decision facing you, no matter the problems in your future, we've got a God who knows it all and cares for you. Somebody say, my fear is gone. Are you afraid of people? Are you worried about your coworker who's telling stories about you? Are you worried about what they're ta- saying about you on TikTok or Facebook or YouTube or any other nonsense? Are you afraid of what man may do to you? Listen to the word of the Lord. To whom can you compare God? He sits above the circle of the earth. The people below. Your adversaries and enemies are like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes his tent from them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. And every great or small person opposing you today, every great or small person coming against you today in the spirit of the enemy, God is greater than them and he will make their attack against you come to nothing. Somebody say, my fear is God. Are you afraid of circumstances, the value of the CD, your bonds and T-bills? Are you afraid of COVID or war or accident? Are you afraid of anything on earth? God says, to whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Ask the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, strength. Not a single one is missing. Are you afraid you won't make it in life? Are you afraid of failure? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depth of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. And to every weak heart, to every powerless soul today, I loose the strength of God. I release the power of the Almighty. To everyone feeling afraid of your future and of what lies ahead, I loose the power and the strength of grace upon you today. In the mighty name of Jesus, receive the power of God right now in Jesus' name. Because the Bible says 366 times, the Bible says, do not be afraid. That's one Do not be afraid for every day of the year with one additional. Every day, in every way, God has it under control. There's nothing you face that God did not foresee. So have faith in God. That's the lesson we can learn from the true story of an American woman named Amy Rickle. Amy Rickle had hit rock bottom in the natural. Her husband had abandoned her and their three children. She was out of work out of a transport, and now she was out of a place to live. There was no house, no food, no home. And Amy started to panic. 
So she got her phone and texted her friend, Brian, said, Brian, I'm gripped with fear. Please send me Bible promises to help calm my spirit. But what Amy didn't know is she accidentally sent the text to the wrong number. And coincidentally, by God's providence, the man who got the text was also named Brian, Brian Van Buxtel. Brian didn't know Amy. They didn't have any mutual friends. When he got the text, he was surprised. But he was a born-again Christian, so he sent back some scripture verses to encourage her. He put down his phone, and God said, what else will you do? Brian said, I'm going to do what Jesus would do. I'm going to take care of this lady. So he called Amy and paid for her accommodation so that she and her children could have a place to stay. Then he got on social media and asked for help. Kathy Schumann heard about Amy's plight and loaned Amy her car. Chad Morick heard about Amy and decided to help her find work. He called his friend Alexandra Witkowski, who kept pressing until Amy got a job. Nine days after sending the text to the wrong number, Amy had a house, a car, a job, and everything she needed. It has totally restored my faith in God, Amy said, for there's nothing God can't do. Jesus said in Mark 10, 27, all things are possible with God. And again, in Mark eleven twenty two, 22, he said, have faith in God. Because what you behold determines what you believe. And what you believe will determine who you become. That brings us to our third truth today. The fight of faith versus fear dictates what you become. Listen to how our scripture goes on in verse 29. Pita went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Now consider for a moment that Peter is the first and only human being in history other than Jesus of somebody we know of who walked on water. Peter successfully walked on water. And he did it not once, but he did it twice. He walked on water when he was going to Jesus. Then after he started sinking and Jesus saved him, Jesus picked him up and Peter walked on water a second time to get back in the boat. That means there were two victories for every one defeat. So let that truth sink in on you. You see, most of us focus on the fact that Peter failed. When we tell this story, we say, Peter failed, Peter sank, and we mock him, and we ridicule him, and we point our fingers because we ourselves are afraid of failing. Most of us would rather never try anything and not fail than try and fail, try and fail, and eventually succeed. We need to remember, though, that Peter had two victories for every one failure, and if you don't have faith, you'll end up staying in the boat and That is a failure in itself. The other 11 disciples never walked on water. They never experienced the power of God in the middle of the storm to lift them up and take them to new heights. They stayed behind because they were afraid to fail. They preferred the safety of doing nothing over the success of stepping out in faith. The fear of the unknown, the untested, and the uncertain left them in the boat. And when you base your decisions on risk assessment rather than the voice of God. You are destined to sit in the boat and be left behind. For Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. If you read the financial condition of Ghana, you will never invest again. If you want to start a new company, you'll sit down at home and lock up your money. If you're afraid of COVID or afraid of Russia, Ukraine or afraid of any other thing, you'll 
sit down and stay in the boat. But I hear the voice of God calling us today as a people to rise up in faith, to look at Him in His power, to behold Him and believe upon Him and become a people who walk on water, a people who get out of the boat and do the extraordinary and the supernatural because the power of God lifts us. Somebody say, my fear is gone. You see, I'm not saying we shouldn't use wisdom. I'm not saying we shouldn't evaluate the facts. But I'm saying there is a greater fact than what you read on Ghana Web. There is a greater fact than what you get on CNN. There is a greater fact than anything anywhere. And that fact is God's truth and God's knowledge and God's voice. It should supersede every risk assessment in our lives. If you believe it, say amen. For John... 1027, Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And that's what kept Peter walking on the water. Jesus said, brah, brah, come on, you can do it, man. Come on, you can make it. And Peter stepped out of the boat. The voice of Jesus is what held him. The voice of Jesus is what kept him going. And the voice of Jesus is what you need in this dark hour. The voice of Jesus is what you need to guide you in every decision, in business, in relationship, in marriage, in family, in education, in everything. The voice of Jesus is the only thing that should determine your direction, not fear, not not risk, not comfort, not safety and security, not what the experts say, but what the only expert who matters says, what God says. That's the lesson we can learn from the inspiring true story of Captain Ukos Mafela from Pelu, Indonesia. Captain Mafela is an airline pilot and a Christian. All day long on Friday, September 28, 2018, uh, Mafela kept feeling a sense of urgency, restlessness in his heart. So he started praying and singing and quoting scriptures. He had a sense of urgency about his business. When he got into the plane to prepare it to fly that day, he tried to get things done quickly. He did some of the co-pilot's jobs to hurry things along. He got the passengers on board as quickly as possible and then with a growing sense of unease he called the air traffic controller and asked for permission to leave a little bit early he was given permission and with a sense of urgency growing he revved up the engines and raced down the runway faster and faster pushing the plane until the wheels lifted off from the ground and as the plane lifted up an earthquake struck Pelu, Indonesia the asphalt on the landing strip buckled and shook. The air traffic controller collapsed. The terminal was damaged. And Captain Mafella says, if I had taken off three minutes later, I would not have been able to save my 140 passengers. The asphalt on the landing strip was buckling like a curtain blowing in the breeze. It is important, he said, that we hear the voice of God. And whatever happens, we must be calm, not in a panic, so that we can clearly hear the voice of God through the Holy Spirit. So here's what you need to carry home with you today. You will never become what God wants you to become if you base your choices on fear. And you will never fail to become what God wants you to become if you base your choices on faith. For when you behold him, and believe in him, you'll become a person who walks on water. See, that's what God called us to do. He's called us to be supernatural. He's called us to be 
overcomers. He's called us to be people of the miraculous. For the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy, this powerful statement in chapter 1, verse 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. So let me ask you today, what would you attempt to do for God if you knew you couldn't fail? What would you attempt to do this year, this month, this season, if you knew that God had called you and you couldn't fail? Because every single one of us faces choices right now. We all face decisions right now about the way forward. With the overwhelming storm around us, with economic tides against us, God spoke to me and I can't shake it. He said, go and open churches. We're opening in Tema next month. We're opening in Sokpe. We're opening in Zambia. Pastor Hemix has already gone. We're opening in other areas. And I begin to look at the situation and say, but God, why, why now? This is a time when economically we should be cautious and conservative. But God says by faith, listen to my voice. And I take the risk today, the risk of faith, the risk of stepping out of the boat because I've heard from God and I know what God is doing. And today we are walking on water by the power of the Holy Spirit. And and the same power to walk on water is available for you. If Peter could do it, why not you? If Peter could answer the call, why not you? Just simply hear his voice, behold him, believe in him, and become a person of the supernatural. God has given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind so that you can rise in faith and say, my fear is God. Would you stand together with me all across the auditorium and the balcony? Let's lift up our hands for a moment. I want to take a minute and pray for you. And then I'm going to invite you today. Maybe you're here and you're battling fear. Maybe you're afraid of the economic situation. Maybe you're afraid of losing your business or losing your husband or losing your wife. Maybe you're afraid of sickness or afraid of road accidents. Maybe you're afraid so much you rarely leave the house. But today God is going to deliver you from every fear. Fear of man, fear of faith fear of disease, fear of war. Every fear will go in the name of Jesus. And maybe today you're facing decisions and you're not sure which way to go. God is going to impart to you a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. His voice is going to become clear in your heart. You will hear him and you will confidently step out and walk on water because you know that God is calling you. So lift up your hands. Father, I pray for your people right now. I ask you to move upon them by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray you'll come down. We cancel every fear. We command the spirit of fear to go in the name of Jesus. And I loose the power of the Holy Spirit to move in our hearts and lives. I loose the power of love, the power of the supernatural, the power of a sound mind. I loose it upon the people of God today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I pray, oh God, you will speak to us. Give us wisdom. Give us the word of knowledge. Give us the word of understanding. Give us the word, oh God, that we need today to know the path to walk in, that we might get up and walk on water and declare with faith. Come on, say it after me. My fear is gone. Say it again. My fear is gone. Say it again. My fear is gone. If you believe it, give the Lord some praise. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m. 
9.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.